0: Hey guys, I just wanted to take this opportunity and inform you about our amazing virtual summit called the Game Changers Summit coming up In January 21st, 22nd, 23rd, it features some of the biggest thought leaders and game-changing speakers from around the world. It is for established business owners and entrepreneurs that are stuck, that are plateaued, and are ready to take things to the next level. We're going to give you some new ideas, some new tools, some new tactics, some new strategies. We're going to be going through all of the amazing stuff to do with leadership, to do with marketing, branding, We're going to give you so much great value. It's insane. And guess what? It's free. Yes, that's right. It is free. If you want to take the opportunity and come and join us for the three-day event, I shit you not, it's going to be one of the biggest, baddest, biggest events in the whole world. Uh, So make sure that you click on thegamechangersummit.com and make sure you click on that because it's a free event you cannot miss it for no, no, no love, no money. So I will see you there January 21st, 22nd, 23rd. And uh, we'll see you there. Take care. Bye.
1: This is the Game Changers Experience. Deep dive conversations
0: with leading business disruptors, Olympic athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs and influencers from around the world. This show will teach you insights about the winning principles in mindset, productivity, marketing, branding, entrepreneurship, business strategy, and more. Hosted by Productivity Authority, business strategist, former elite athlete, author, and public speaker, Adam Strong. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Game Changers audio experience with myself, Adam Strong. And today we have another fun-packed show and uh, we have a, a very interesting guest on today. Her name is Branka Van der Linden. She is originally from Serbia, but is currently residing in Cyprus. She has a um, 15 years experience in compliance and legislation. And you're probably thinking, "Oh, is it going to be one of those conversations which is going to be kind of law orientated?" Absolutely not. She's a professional trainer. She actually been sitting on various boards with various associations. She's also a best-selling author. She wrote "Play the Game." which you can obviously download and listen to on all good all good bookstores and whatever it is. Without further ado, Branka, welcome to the show.
1: Hello, Adam. Thank you for having me and thank you to the listeners. And I'm very excited about this opportunity and this podcast.
0: Very cool, excellent. Well, it's great to have you. Uh, I know we've got listeners from all over the world. And, and today we're gonna to be talking about some really interesting uh, subjects, guys. Um, I know that over the last sort of couple of sessions, We've been talking a lot about integrity and stuff, and I just thought to myself, I was like, "Huh? So how can we take that conversation further, right? How can we, how can we, um, how can we take it to the next level?" Well, now Branka, um, she specialises in, in a particular industry, and she's also a consultant with startups as well, and she loves talking about ethics and values, uh, which I think is really very much closely aligned to integrity as well. Um, but I wanted to, I suppose, wanted to s- sort of open the, open the first question up, if I may, and talk a little bit about values and beliefs, because I'm a real big pro when it comes to values, personal values, company values, all that kind of stuff. But let's talk a little bit about values and beliefs and how does that, how does that relate to business and how does it affect business as well in relation to that? So maybe if we could, if we could start with that, that would be fantastic.
1: Excellent, Adam. Yes, is International Anti-Corruption Day. And with that uh, in mind and, and talking about our uh, topic, which is uh, the harmony between beliefs and, and values and what happens when behavior is different. Yeah, l- let's take it from the beginning. Like, what, what, are, what are the beliefs that we have? Where, where do they come from? What is the belief? And, and that's trust or, or a faith, how we call it, or simply having confidence in something or in someone. Uh, those are the convictions and we take it that um, what we accept is the truth and usually the absolute truth and then yet we know that the truth is not really just black and white and beliefs they influence our values so when we come to values we talk about principles and ideals Mm. and what is ideal in this non-idealistic world And about our standards of behavior, because values influence our behavior. And how does that relate to business? What happens when a business has to bring tough decisions? And when our morale and our private ethics, our personal ethics are in conflict with business ethics? And uh, this is what what I wanted to emphasize today. How does it connect to business? Well, let's take a simple example. It's a tough time. Uh, COVID-19 has uh, put... the the most uh, adversity on on many businesses. And then what do you do when you need to make tough decisions? Mm. We all had scarcity in income. Uh, A lot of businesses had to shut down, to close. We were under lockdown. And for example, if you would have to now support other business when the money is tight, Mm. what do you do? How do you make your decisions? And I think that that's relatable not only to big businesses, but also to small uh, family-owned businesses even Mm. more. Agreed. And entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, yes, and a tough uh, decision when when it comes to corruption, this abuse of power and uh, using um, a position for a personal gain, or when we talk about fraud and deception and uh, false representation of facts, what happens when it's time to let clients go? Mm. It's a good it's
0: a good question because I think it's something that uh, especially with people on Clubhouse and we have conversations on Clubhouse and we talk a little bit about. Um, you know, I'm a big, I'm a big belief that well, I have a, a lot of beliefs that there'll always be a shelf life in working with a client. Yes. We want to work with clients lo- over longevity, but for whatever reason, you know, whether it be let go of a staff member, let go of a client because they don't, I don't know, align to where we're going in terms of our vision. There has to be this kind of what I called a symbiotic relationship or this similar sy- synergy. Do you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. And yeah, when we talk about um, loyalty and Mm. fairness, and when we catch ourselves that we end up working with clients that don't have the same principles and they don't have the same standards, uh, we need to let them go. Otherwise, we we have this um, cognitive dissonance that I talked and mentioned before in about impact, impact not that it only has on our business, but on ourselves as persons. Like, how do you sleep at night? What happens with your mental health and your physical health when you're doing something? that uh, it's in conflict with your own values and beliefs
0: mm. you know you know it's interesting because i know that there are some businesses out there and i'm not going to say you know people that are listening in but there are some businesses out there that have um you know that run a business in a way that i think is unethical and what i mean by that is we've I'm sure that some of us have been scammed in our life, or have you know have done business with maybe somebody else, and it didn't work out for whatever reason, and they feel like they've been scammed, or they feel like they've been um, it just it just didn't did they it didn't um, have what it said on the tin. They said that they were going to do like X delivery, I was going to deliver the results, but they didn't do what they said that they were going to do. What's your take on this? Because I think that it's becoming all too common in the business world. And it really pisses me off, you know, and, and, you know, and I get a lot of, um, you know, I get, I get a few businesses that come to me and they're like, hey, Adam, I'd, I'd, I'd love to work with your consultancy company, but we've just worked with this company and they ripped us off. And I don't know what to do. And then, and then there's this kind of like distrust and then it makes the good guys look really bad because it kind of puts them in the same type of box. What's your take on this? What's your thoughts?
1: <laughs> yeah, excellent, excellent topic. Uh, well, corruption and fraud, they, they erode trust and you're straight to the point there, but it also hampers economic development. And if I think a little bit back, I was a victim myself. I mean, I have so much experience in compliance and, and catching the bad guys. And always when I look at the e-commerce, I, I read terms and conditions. And yep. if there is no privacy policy and there's no disclaimer and there's no terms and conditions that are providing for the contact with the proper address and um, company yep. number, etc., I usually don't uh, go through purchase. But during the COVID times, okay, with everything being uh, e-commerce and we constantly being bombarded with all these offers, yeah, sometimes it happens that that you misread a certain sign, and then, yes, you pay the shipping fee and the goods never come. <laughs> and then 45 days later, the PayPal notifies you that the case is closed because you or they didn't resp- respond or escalated to a claim. So um, yeah, it's, uh, on, on one hand, it, it pisses me off too. But on the other hand, we have to stop uh, playing victims yeah. and taking uh, decisions in our own hand and being responsible of what we're doing. Because nobody um, pushed us and talked us into pushing that button and saying yes to purchase a you know, visa card, let's say, or sure. um, uh, working with a particular company. So we need to do our due diligence. We need to do a background check, just like when you're uh, hiring a new employee. What will mm-hmm. you do naturally? Yes, you will read their CV. You will look if they have a LinkedIn profile. And then you'll probably also call for references from a previous employer. So why don't we do that when we are... Uh, buying something online on when we're acquiring a new service from a new company, look who they are, look at their values, look at their code of conduct. Do they have one even on their website? Um, Who is the board of directors? What is their social media footprint like? Mm. So there are things that we can do ourselves that can help us to do this due diligence, to be more secure and not to be victims of either fraud or uh, to be involved in the corruption, even um, if we are not aware of it. You know, it's a good point
0: you make there. And, and also the other thing that which I think can actually be created off the back of that is that when people are have been in that position, right, is then they start to suffer from analysis by paralysis because then they get stumped of the decision making process. Uh, and because they've been stung and they've got this distrust with people, business, whatever it might be. And then they start criticizing or the, maybe hyper criticizing about their own internal uh, beliefs, but also their, um, um, well, not just about their, their belief systems, but if they're actually going to make that they're, they're scared of making the wrong decision. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, but Adam, let me ask you something else. Uh, you are, a, you used to be a pro athlete and you train uh, uh, and your personal trainer to so many people that are like really in high-end sport. And what happens if you subscribe to the gym, but you never go to practice?
0: I mean, nothing, I mean, you just, you're, you're, you're 30, 40, 100 quid worse off, I guess, every month.
1: <laughs> yeah, but that's the same with ethics. It has to be a conscious and persistent effort and has to be a training. It, it has to be in True. practice. It's not something that you read about. Yeah, we have the law of behavior for organizations, which is business ethics, which is taught at uh, business administration at schools but everyday um, ethical dilemmas that we have, we need to practice on them. There are case studies, there are best practices and scenarios mm-hmm. and it's training just like a mental training or a physical training of any other. Yep. It needs to be um, uh, implemented in our everyday life.
0: Yep, I agree. And I believe
1: in lifelong learning, so <laughs> this is the part <laughs> where the ethics come in as well.
0: Definitely, definitely, definitely. Um, Now, moving on to sort of a a different subject, because I know that you do a lot of um, consulting with startup companies in particular. Um, Talk to them. I don't know what your take is on this, but with regards to if you have staff members and they may have, I don't know, they may have said something on social media, which might have put the company at jeopardy or damaged their brand or whatever it is, or maybe you know, maybe what what they've said is just completely out of line. I'm sure you've come across this many times before, but I guess, you know, as a business leader or whatever it might be, having those difficult conversations, how do you deal with those types of people? Do you let go of them? Um, I'd love to know more about the process because I've never been in that position before, by the way, but I know that some of our listeners may have been in that position before. What's your take on this?
1: Yeah, again, um, I'm in business of breaking patterns and just expanding perspectives. And yeah. you always need to look from, from both angles. Yes, I, I have been an employee and I know this and this side of the coin, but I'm also an entrepreneur who has employees and I always give it the benefit of a doubt. Uh, however, um, sometimes people are, well, call it naive, that they do not understand quite what the expectations are and where is this fine line between freedom Yep. and uh, free expression and professionalism and uh, profession- professionality at work. Yep. So how, how do you respond to that? I had a case when uh, we were hiring um, for a corporate client, a person who's supposed to be their uh, PR, okay. Mm. Uh, very well-educated lady, the best schools. Um, she was uh, well-presented, well-spoken and uh, had a vast network. And then yet, if you would go to her social media, you will have um, a Facebook video with her uh, doing pole dancing. Pole dancing? So, a Pole dancing and, and not okay. in, a, in a athlete training uh, <laughs> way sense. So then wh- what do you do? I mean, th- this is this uh, dissonance between belief and, and behavior. Like um, we are taught one way, but you, you cannot do a PR in that way. I mean, you can, but <laughs> whether it's going to be a bad publicity, that's another story. <laughs>
0: Depends on the and, company, uh, I suppose. <laughs> indeed,
1: indeed, yes. But anyhow, when I look at it from the other um, other angle, is that do we have a clear written instructions for our employees? Mm. What are do's and don'ts? What do we expect from them in their private life, in their private media? Because let's say big companies, they will give you this um, um, employee agreement, which explicitly says, when you speak publicly, you speak on behalf of the company mm. in your personal time as well. So whatever you do represents the company as well. But in the small businesses and with entrepreneurs, that kind of uh, is not such a straight line. It's um, a gray area. So yeah, before uh, firing employee or letting employee go for um, um, <laughs> their misbehavior on social media, let's first put it into context. Why it was done, how it was done, and did they even know that that's a bad behavior? Or did, is that in their eyes as bad as it is in yours? Because the, the tastes are different, the, the culture is different, the values are different. So let, let's talk about the principles and ideals on the same line. We cannot compare apples and pears.
0: Right. But, uh, but also, um, I, I know we're living in strange times right now. And I think that it also divides attention with what's going on in the world. And it's a fine line maybe it's a gray area, but it's a fine line between what a company believes or a company owner, whatever it is, and what the employee believes in. And there might be some sort of conflict, right? And that's where conflict really, you know, creeps up because they have their opinion, freedom of speech, that kind of stuff. And then the values and and integrity of of the company, because you represent them or whatever it is, um, also have their beliefs as well. So I think what you like, you've highlighted, it is a very gray area, but I, I think what you've you've also highlighted is the importance of making sure that there is some sort of agreement. I think that's what you're saying is there needs to be some sort of agreement out there that says this is what we this is what we expect from you, and this is what you will expect from us. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yes, it is. And um, I always stress that just because we think we are right about something, or know that we are right about something, doesn't mean that the other side is wrong. Okay, <laughs> there, there are different perspectives. I mean, I can, I can ask you now to take a piece of paper and write number six on it, and then I can ask you to swap it, you know, and, and turn it, rotate it 180 degrees. And what we see then, it will suddenly be a nine. So when we are looking from different points of view, we need to give benefit of a doubt to the other one that they are not derogatory on purpose. But yes, agreements should be laid out and this agreement should be very specific. Mm-hmm. And when we give a, a clear instructions on the roles and expectations from the other person, whether an employee, a business partner um, or um, a services providing company, then it's much clearer and and better to to function and to to collaborate. But other than that, let's just say that no matter the the freedom of speech, you should always treat and speak uh, to other ones with respect.
0: Mm. 100%. Definitely. 100%. Definitely. Um, Here's a thought because I know that, Some of our listeners, they're also in kind of what I would call startup mode or whatever it is. And um, I know that, you know, there are companies out there that are building IP, for example, intellectual property. Um, And again, maybe this kind of, I suppose, mindset, you could call it a mindset or whatever it is, perception of people are going to steal my ideas. Um, NDAs, non-disclosure agreements. When should one have one in place? what should it have in, when, when should it be presented and who should it be presented to?
1: Okay, fun fact, number one, a question that the startups ask is, how do we get investors to invest in our startup? Right. Number two fact is that they ask, do we need to give the investors to sign the NDA first? <laughs> okay, and then again, because uh, I do have a circle of investors and sometimes we also chat about these things and they say, like um, startups come across as arrogant asking as the first thing to sign the NDA because let's face it, uh, there are thousands similar or same ideas in the world yeah. and ideas cannot be patented. It's the execution of the idea that matters. True. Who comes first to the market, who is more agile, who is more lean, et cetera. So when you approach somebody and uh, asking to sign the NDA, you need to have a clear understanding of why you're doing it and where that NDA can be enforceable. Because just a piece of paper saying, um, I, Branca, will not disclose what are the uh, tricks and tips of uh, Adam making his podcast are not gonna go a long way in the court or for that matter in any other business to prevent other people making podcasts, right? Yeah, sure. So yes, for the startups, I think obviously if you have invested uh, tons of money into patents And you have something that is um uh, like like really intellectual property by all means ask for the nda but first ask the investor of their interest and try to understand them and 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 their position behavior before you just come and say sign the nda and then i show you what i've I've got you know like uh, Mm. there is a dose of humility that needs to be there when we talk with investors because at the end of the day yes they want uh, sustainability they want maybe to support sustainable development goals but they also want to make their profits
0: it's interesting because i think it also can create an immediate barrier to communication you know open communication and transparency you're, if you if you've got a a a potential candidate who wants to come in and throw some money at your business or idea whatever you want to call it and you're saying oh you know yeah, we we can have a conversation, but you need to sign my NDA. I think they I think they're gonna just just yeah be it puts like, them off. It puts them off. It's like why <laughs> I don't even know you, right? So, um, but it, it's 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 a good question. I think it's just it's it's something that um, doesn't really get discussed actually here, which is which is really interesting. Um, let's talk a little bit about um, culture because I know that you do a lot of. Um, consultancy but also you do a lot of uh professional training with uh yes. with leaders with corporate companies alike and for me company culture which i think is you know fascinating i love talking about company culture and dna and that kind of stuff how does one go around um, embedding ethics and values in culture where should uh where should companies and businesses be- begin and when should they start doing it
1: yeah, there, there are again uh, two perspectives here because we say that, uh, you know, this company culture, it, it has to uh, come and tone has to be set from the top. So tone from the top, you'll hear a lot about it these days. Yep. And yeah, there is something else also called tone from the family because the family, we, 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 yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we, we, we all have parents or we had parents, yep. okay? And uh, what we first learn as, as uh, what's right, what's wrong, what's moral, what's immoral comes from the family. Okay. And uh, there's this thing like, for example, uh, children that have, uh, uh, the parents that have children that are in uh, age that they can start helping with house chores, okay, and helping around the house. And what happens is that often we catch ourselves saying, okay, uh, do me a favor. And with these particular words, do me a favor, uh, take out uh, uh, the laundry out or pair these socks together or put a dishwasher on and then after they they perform this uh, particular chore they get their pocket money so communicating that do me a favor and then you will get the money is okay uh, comes all the way to the top when we become politicians and we accept bribery to do certain uh, favors or (laughs) yeah so uh, tone from the top but also tone from the family yeah we need to cultivate this culture from the beginning of ethical behavior and to understand that uh, it's not only somebody else's problem and somebody else's business but it's each and one of us that can do something um, to contribute to ethical behavior and when we talk about business ethics, like how how do we set this company culture it has to be communicated but it also has to be written down it needs to be laid out somewhere and yes these beliefs needs to be consistent with behavior You cannot preach something on company paper and code of conduct and yet being caught uh, doing totally different thing when it comes to business, like cutting corners in business or um, uh, being unfair to your competitors or even, uh, you know, using like uh, inside information for for own benefit, for your own business benefit, because at the end of the day, the only sustainable business uh, will be ethical business.
0: Yep, Love it. Love it. Um when we talk about ethical businesses, because, you know, it's interesting, because I remember going through these phases of listening to so-called companies that say, oh, we're an ethical business, we're a sustainable business. And, and it really drives me crazy. Because when you look at them deep down, they're no more ethical than any normal company, really. But what from your perspective, if uh, if if people are listening to you right now and they're thinking, oh, th- this conversation sounds interesting, right? Yeah, I'd like to build a company or build, build a business which is which is based on ethics, values, and beliefs, right? What is the difference between a ethical company and a non ethical company? Like, how does how should we be seen? Like, what do we need to do? Um, what connections that we need? Do, do you know what I mean? <laughs>
1: Yeah, Yeah, this is a funny story I have. I um, used to not drink coffee, really.
0: And then um, after
1: I had my... Yes, really. (laughs) For a long time. (laughs) And then after I had my second child, um, I got as a a Christmas gift uh, an espresso machine. All right. And I'm by no means promoting espresso here, uh, nor I'm paid to do so. But yes, I got hooked on it and I loved it. And before that, I didn't really... Uh, particularly know uh, who George Clooney is, but after that Nespresso advert, you know, it, it had a different perspective. And um, why I'm mentioning this is just to to um, emphasize something about ethical and non-ethical behavior, because uh, Nespresso is a huge company, Nestle. I mean, they, they have a conglomerate business, and they're in, in many sectors. And what happened um, some time ago, they were accused and there was suspicion of them using um, uh, coffee beans from unethical sources uh, including child labor for collecting this coffee and what they did they actually had um, um, a stock deficiency a lack of deficiency of a particular uh, coffee type coffee brand i won't say the name and they didn't replace it with something else they were looking to find more ethical source to be able to get that same quality. Otherwise they just discontinue that particular product. That's ethical business. And I'm sure it costed them a lot because every second day when somebody goes and buying espresso coffee, they're asking for this particular flavor. (laughs) So yes, we we need to choose whether we are uh, gonna make our profits or we are also gonna think about our business impact on the environment. And when I talk about environment, I don't mean only about the nature and pollution, but I also talk about the social aspect of it and people that we affect their lives with our businesses. Some good points there. And I, and I think,
0: you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, I like to support companies that are kind of what what we call, say, fair trade. You know, you go into yes. Whole Foods or a supermarket and you're like, oh, it's all fair trade, I don't know if it really is fair trade. It's got the stamp of approval, so I'm assuming it is fair trade. But, um, yeah, I suppose it's kind of also this, like, um, societal responsibility of, oh, you know, I want to be seen as good and feel good and that kind of Do you know what I mean? So I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah. Adam, you, you touched there a very um, important aspect. Is um, I talked recently about, uh, because... Again, anti-corruption day today, Uh, we talked about um, perception of the corruption. So the corruption perception uh, Perception index is um, done by Transparency International every year. And it shows the countries from zero being the most corrupted to 100 uh, um, being the best behavior, according to the perception of the people, of the lay people, of the citizens. Mm -hmm. So we need to stop talking about the perception of the corruption and the, and start talking about real corruption. Because um, I see many businesses, they try to change that perception with their corporate social responsibility, uh, campaigns, uh, advertising, marketing, and yet the corruption itself is not tackled. So yeah, uh, just having the, the stamp fair trade does not mean necessarily that the company is doing the fair trade. So we need to look a little bit deeper and really be curious and um, let's say, just look whether um, that that really stands, whether it's real, whether it's true. And (laughs) as I said, our beliefs go a long way about the trust and and faith and having confidence in a particular business. Absolutely,
0: love it. Well, listen, um, it's been a fascinating conversation and I've really enjoyed some of our conversations. So I just want to say thanks very much for being on, on the show today. I really appreciate your time.
1: Thank you, Adam, for having me.
0: So, guys, if you would like to contact Branka, please do so on her social media links below. You can do that uh, by clicking, uh, by just scrolling down, and you can see that. And if you've, uh, and if you've loved our episode from today, and in fact any of our episodes, uh, then please do us a favor, give us a one or a five star review, whichever you prefer, and I will be. Ex- it, it, it's super appreciated. Uh, and that would be great. Listen, have a fantastic day, week, month whenever you're listening to this and enough from me and Branka. We'll see you again soon on the Game Changes Experience. Take care and see you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening into today's show. I hope that you have enjoyed today's show. Just a reminder, we love creating this amazing podcast show. It wouldn't be as successful if it wasn't for you guys. So we want to make sure that we would love it if you would be able to reciprocate and write an amazing whether it be a one star or five star review if you're listening to this on Apple go to Apple on iTunes and go to the Game Changers Audio Experience leave a one or a five star review whichever you prefer if you're listening to this on Android whether it be on Amazon Music spotify google stitcher and all the good android platforms go to podchaser.com that's podchaser.com and leave a one or a five star review on there we'll be extremely grateful thanks very much for tuning in We've got some great shows coming up cheers